Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And on this episode, we are going to review a game. And Ryan, what game is it? We are going to review one of the finalists in Friday Night Games. Last game standing of 2020. Yeah, no, the suspense is killing them. We're going to be talking about Merv, Heart of the Silk Road. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And we're back. This is, of course, Cardboard Conjecture, and we always go straight into playing, doing, thinking board games. And uh, Ryan, you got some news why don't we? Why don't you start sure. with some of that? Uh, I, I guess at this at this point, some of this is not new news, mm-hmm. but I always like to highlight it because I am the Fantasy Flight fanboy, and I consume almost everything that Fantasy Flight seems to put out, except for their miniatures line. I don't want to get into that <laughs> and everything like that. But they've kind of had the summer of announcements coming up here. So one of the big ones that they announced was that they are going to be bringing back. The uh, Battlestar Galactica board game, but they don't have the license for Battlestar Galactica. So what's their most popular IP at this point? Arkham. So they're going to put an Arkham theme on it. They're calling it Unfathomable. (laughs) Unfathomable? (laughs) Let's go with that. So yeah, they're just kind of... (laughs) Sorry, I'm thinking Princess Bride right now. Inconceivable! Right? (laughs) So pretty much um, Battlestar Galactica was one of those granddaddy of the like hidden traitor mechanic. The the cooperative game, but you have the people that can backstab you and they have the chance to um, affect other people to become the traitors um, as well with the Cylons. It's the Cylons of Battlestar Galactica, right? I'm yes. Just, yeah, that was a good okay. catch. Oh, all you, the ner- you, every you nerd of the sound. Oh, I was starting to twitch. I was starting to have a little, you better hit this one. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I didn't look into much more, but other than they're just going to convert everything into like an Arkham. Everything's being taken place on a ship. And okay. there are, there's obviously there's people hidden as cultists that are kind of be trying to summon oh. an ancient one okay. to come and like bring, bring the end of days. And so you're kind of having to suss out who is the cultists, who aren't the cultists. Kind of paralleling of the story. Yeah. yeah so nice. it is what it is. It's something that I am definitely going to keep my eye on because Battlestar Galactica has been long out of print and yeah. very hard to find and has extremely 
extortion prices on the board game black market. <laughs> <laughs> so this one might be as, but it is going to carry like an eighty dollar MSRP. So it's kind, of, it, it is up there for this type of game. Yeah. Okay. So uh, then the next thing, uh, if we're going to be talking Arkham, yeah, is that they have now announced the next. Um, sorry, not the next expansion. Um, they're revising the core game of Arkham Horror, the card game. Yeah. Which is my favorite card, my game, uh, favorite game of all time. And initially, if you wanted to get into Arkham Horror, the card game, you would have to buy a core box. And the core box only gives you enough cards for up to two players, which is generally good enough for a lot of people. A lot of people mm-hmm. play this game solo or two players. It's the way it's best at. But if you wanted a full play set of cards, you wanted to buy a second core set so that you have the duplicates of the cards so you can do all the deck building. Well, now they're going to go away from that and they're going to they're re-releasing what's called the revised core set, which gives you all of these things for a four player uh, player count. Yeah. And along the way, they're going to give you some upgraded um, artwork. No, they're not touching any of the text on the cards or any of the card abilities. It's the exact same game, a little bit of updated art. Um, some of the tokens now are double-sided to have single like ones and threes mm-hmm. type of thing for resources. But other than that, this is going to be a fantastic way for new people to get into the Arkham Horror card game. Yeah. Well, see, I'm embarrassed to say that I when I bought, I think last year when I bought Marvel Champions, I also bought... Arkham Horror, the, the core set, and I haven't played it yet. Oh, and you see, now this new one's coming out. So <laughs> you, you could have had the new shiny. I'm on that. fine. I'm good. I'm, yeah. And, and they, they, they're also overhauling the box. The, the box is actually going to be functional that you can actually store cards in it. <laughs> <laughs> because the old one, you couldn't. You said that def- with just a wee bit of contempt. <laughs> well, I, I got, well, I got all the, I get all the things Arkham. Oh, yeah, so you're, I got, you're like briefcasing this thing already. Well, I got I collected the what they call the return to boxes, and they're just like little deck boxes that collect a whole cycle, put it in there. It should Anyways. be called return to luggage sized carriers, is what it should be. <laughs> so, Arkham Horror revised core set is coming out, and then the last thing, there's lots of Marvel Champions that's coming out coming uh, coming here um, this month. We've got Agent Venom coming out as a as a hero pack. After Agent Venom, we're going to be having um, the the Mad Titans Shadow, which is the Thanos Big Box expansion. Oh wow! So that's going to give us two new heroes, and uh, I think like one of the heroes is Adam Warlock, which is I think is fantastic. That's a deep cut. Oh yeah. I can't think of the other one off the top of my head, but then you got your your campaign is you're playing against the children of Thanos and Thanos himself. Oh wow! Type type of thing. So that's going to be a pretty big core uh new expansion box and then we have also got a glimpse into the next hero packs afterwards which the first hero pack after the mad titan shadow is going to be a nebula hero pack Ooh! and now this is actually going to create something really cool because nebula now is going to be the very first character that is going to be considered it is has um as a villain yeah a nebula villain there's a nebula nemesis. There's a nebula ally. Yeah, yeah. And now there's going to be a nebula hero. So she's covering all the bases. She's a, uh, she's a, she's a mm-hmm. unique 
<laughs> and and then now after that one, and I have a little bit of spoiler here because there there was a Reddit thread that came out quite some time ago that grabbed a screenshot of like a, a fantasy flight order form, and it has been true to the T of all of the releases that was on that leaked sheet. <laughs> and so now we're speculating that after Nebula, we're going to be getting the Vision, we're going to be getting Valkyrie. And we're going to be getting War Machine as hero packs. And then the next big box after that one is titled Sinister Motives. And we have no idea what that's going to mean. You can barely contain yourself, man. You're frothing. (laughs) Well, because Sinister Motives should be a Sinister Sinister Six. Six. Yeah, yeah. Should be a Sinister Six and bring back and do like some Spider-Man multiverse things. Yeah. Oh. oh yeah! Anything with I could talk Marvel Champions in. like all the time. Cool, cool. Just like I was talking to the, today because we were. Uh, I was talking to somebody at the store today, and he was going, "Well, where's the where's the X Men? We need X Men in this." And I'm like, "My theory, yeah, is that they have X Men developed, and they're waiting for Marvel Champions to start going on the downhill, on the yeah. decline. Yeah, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, okay, our sales aren't that great." X-Men and like Poof. yeah it'll be their nitrous oxide button when they need to bring it back up oh yeah yeah and everybody's like this game is great again yeah yeah that's cool. my that's my conjecture <laughs> <laughs> well mine isn't as 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 like frothing I mean I played a couple couple games the first one I want to talk about quickly uh is a game I I've been playing with Daniel a lot and uh that is uh wizardry to the power of three, and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's a kids game, and I'm saying I'm throwing this one out there for the parents because you want to get your kids early, right? <laughs> so, um, Wizardry to the Power of Three is is a pretty cool game um, that's based on memory and uh, how it is. I mean, the quick run through is uh, you're th- you know you're little wizard studying at a at a school, and uh, after hours you sneak out and you go to the down the little road to the uh, to the market and uh, the I guess the 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 hall monitor or the school monitor is a ghost, and the ghost basically chases you back. And uh, how the how the progression of your of your steps works or your movement works, I guess this would be kind of a rolling move. Um, but you roll <laughs> the dice, and uh, on the perimeter of this forest are little tokens that represent trees, and under the trees are uh, kind of like I think they're sprite, fa- you know, fairy fire symbols to help guide you back to the uh, wizardry school. And so you roll three dice, and these dice have these symbols on them. And what you do at the beginning of the game is each person flips them over and has a look at two of them. And it's it's co- obviously a cooperative thing. And you put it back down so that um, as you start revealing new ones, you build up the memory patterns of where these things are. So when you roll the dice, you, you know, uh, if you match your dice immediately, you get a movement. The moment that you don't ma- match, your turn's over, you assess how many matches you have, you move your token forward. At the end of the round, the ghost moves forward according to certain uh, movement points on the tiles that the ghosts are, are on. So to the beginning, it moves slow. And then, of course, it just gets, it ratchets up pretty quick. And uh, man, do we have fun with this game. It is, um, it's, it's, I mean, it says, mm-hmm. uh, let's do the quick details here. This is a, uh, um, designed by Michael Palm and Lucas Zach, and it is a um, Pegasus Spiel, I believe, mm. and uh, it's ages six and up. And 
uh, you know what? It's really good for preventative Alzheimer's for us adults (laughs) because uh, it's a challenge. I'm telling you. And I think for me, what the big challenge is, and and like anybody who has a you know who has a child likes to play games, the repetition again, again, right? Um, So there's that um, that kind of not forgetfulness, but Oh, it was their last game, but this game, it's over here. So you're starting to compound these, these layers of, of stored memory that will conflict when you're trying to recall. And, oh, man, this is, yeah, this, this is definitely, uh, pay attention. But, yeah, I would, I would highly suggest this for anybody who's uh, got kids that want to play games. So, nice. Yeah, and I told you about this, too. Yep, it's on, uh, it's on the... Uh in, it's in the queue. It's in the queue. <laughs> it's in the uh, queue to check out. The one that I do want to talk about, and uh, I really encourage people to have a look at this one if they can, is Watergate uh, by Matthias Kramer, uh, published by uh, Capstone. I, mm. I mean, as much as you said you're Fantasy Flight you know, you know, fanboy, I love me some Capstone. Yeah, yeah they've got, got some delicious heroes. So this one, obviously, if you know your history and me being a history teacher and social studies teacher, uh, I played this with a buddy of mine, uh, um, Al, who is also a history teacher. And um, this, it's going to be our thing this summer is once a week we'll play a history game and we'll you know, assess it as professionals and then um, you know, use it as an excuse to play games. No, I'm joking. But uh, yes, Nixon's Watergate and um, how it is, it's, it's based on the, I, I'm going to give credit to GMT for designing that card, uh, uh, card-driven game system where you have a card, it has a historical event or individual on it, and it's divided into two uh, possibilities. One is typically action points or resources allotted to the board. On the bottom typically matches the image that, that is there, and there's an event. Some events are reoccurring, some events are use once and that person's out of the game. This game plays fast. This, this is one of those, it's just 30 to 60 minutes and yeah. Um, so how it works is your game board, you're looking at it and it's got that kind of uh, um, crime detective pegboard with, with uh, trying to match that, that web of we've got evidence here and we've got to try to connect it with this person here and this witness. And ultimately Nixon's in the middle, you have this entire web pattern with three different categories of money, uh, people involved, um, uh, you know, those kind of domains. And uh, without getting too deep into it, there's a push-pull mechanism in regards to uh, the, uh, uh, the evidence. And whoever wins this push-pull contents gets to put the evidence on the board to make a connection to Nixon and a witness or to block these connections to these witnesses and Nixon. If uh, you're playing the editor... Um, if you can make two connections to Nixon by two different witnesses, you win the game. Um, if you're Nixon, there's this, these momentum uh, cubes or achievements each round, which, again, ratchets that game up real tight. And uh, if Nixon gets five momentum achievements, he wins the game. Um, I absolutely relish this game. It's so much fun. And we usually... We'll play, and then we'll switch it around. And one person will play Nixon, the other person will, you know, vice versa. And, uh, wow, Al took to this game real fast. He crushed me. Yeah. Yeah, he was very... With with, with both? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. He dialed it in right away. So, and I mean, you, I taught you, uh, I showed you this game, right? Yep. Yeah. I, yeah. We, and I, I went and picked up myself a copy of it because it's just, oh, cool. yeah, it, it is so, it is so good. I really liked the fact that each card has the two effects that you can play it for the, um, whatever it is, the, the points. evidence, moving the evidence on that, on that yep. push pull. Yeah. Yep. Or, or, the... or you can just use it as the actual character's um, yeah. ability yeah. at the cost of sometimes that that card is now removed from yeah. the game or pretty much calling your deck. Yeah. Out of out of that one, but it's usually a really powerful thing for that player. And you have to, to use to those cards because if you don't, you don't accelerate the game. So you can't sit and hoard. This is definitely not a hoarding. This is more of. And again, you have a deck of cards. I, I think twenty six cards or something like that. And uh, you pull. F- uh, is it four? No, you pull five cards. Yeah, you pull five cards. And then uh, you play this hand. So the, of the cards that you pull in your hand, oh, five and four, that's right, because there's initiative. Um, and the cards that you pull in your hand, you have to immediately tactically decide if how the synergy works in these cards mm. and, and connect it to the board. Um, yeah, yeah, there's just so much to this game. I just, I just absolutely have so much fun with it. Yeah, surprising amount of depth for such a very simple, uh, on the surface... It's a very simple game. Yeah. Very simple game, but lots of lots of things, lots of decision points. Like, well, you know, you say there's lots of decision points. Oh, yeah. And the bait and switch, right? Because it's like, oh, I'm trying to make this connection, but you might, th- you know, want Nixon's team to think that as you're trying to set up a witness on the other side. Oh, yeah, there's just way too much going on sometimes. So, yeah, that was uh, if you, anything. If you want to add, I'm just going to wrap this one up. So uh, do you want me to talk about Mandala Stones? Oh, yes, I do. (laughs) I do want to hear about this one. Yeah, so uh, a a recent acquisition uh, was uh, we got Mandala Stones by uh, published by Board and Dice. It's a 2021 release, I believe, here. Yeah. Um, Designed by Philip Glawouts. Glawouts. (laughs) So I I apologize. I can't fix it in the edit, so. (laughs) I I, I apologize for it. um, Mandala Stones is kind of like this this new um, abstract game that has um, table presence. I'm going to say that table mm-hmm. presence of these colored. Just think think of the first time that you ever saw Azul, which I know Norm. It was a long time before he actually ever played Azul, <laughs> but the first time that somebody played Azul, you always think of like you think of those big chunky bits that and they're colorful and they're bright and they're vibrant. And you get the same aesthetic from this game too. These nice big, bright, round chips that are gonna get are gonna get stacked in all of these towers of four. There's towers of four all over the board. Do they have a nice, pleasing tactile kind of weight oh, to them? And yep, they're 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 weighty. <laughs> nice. They, nice. They, they click. They they have that click together. <laughs> just because we're we're making all the people that are missing gaming in person froth right now when you're talking about tactile yeah. experience. And all of these um, tiles here have uh, there are four different colors, and there's two different patterns on them. And essentially, what you're going to do on your turn is you have to do one of two things: you either have to pick up some chips and put them onto your player board, or you're going to score. Which is this is a game that you don't score everything at the end. You're going to be scoring points throughout the game, which actually I've always find really interesting. Now, when you take chips, you have to move a bl- there's these black cylinders. The blacks and layers have one of the two pa- have one of the two patterns on them. Mm-hmm. You move it to a section, and then 
it'll be in the crosshairs of four discs around it. And so you'll be able to take up to up to four of these discs as long as they match the pattern. And now the order in which you select them actually matters because the first one you take is going to go to the bottom of a tower. Then the next one's going to stack, get stacked on top of that. The next one gets stacked on top of that. Yeah. And what you're going to be doing is you're going to be creating these towers. And these towers in your board is where you're going to score your points. And that's labeled all on the play. I can't remember all of them, <laughs> but, but the position of mm-hmm. the top chit determines how many points that that chit's worth. Now, when you do the take the score action, you can either just discard the top chip for one point, or if you have multiple chits with the same color, you can score them based on the tower's abilities. (laughs) And so there's this real puzzly nature of you're trying to line up, you're trying to line up multiple scores at the same time. You want... Like, say, all blues up at the top, so I can score a little bit. But then underneath those, there's, like, a lot of purples. So then I can do a nice big score after that one as well. Oh, my goodness, is this a brain burn. (laughs) But in such a good way. Now, is there there any kind of uh, interaction with the players? Only by... Now, the only thing that you're interacting with the other player is that you're trying to not set them up for a potentially good like a good pickup yeah uh pickup turn because and that's actually very difficult to see because the there everything's in three dimension like you're you're <laughs> you're leaving them what's underneath the tiles that you're picking up yeah so that's actually really quite hard um to see and plus it's the order in which they pick them up matters too yeah. so sounds like it's one of those things where you have to weigh you know is it going to be beneficial for me and beneficial for them but more beneficial for me kind of thing yeah yeah you're really <laughs> man, mix, uh, min maxing and now you can let it be like that or you can be like jen and i we're just like we just they're just picking up chips like i'm yeah. moving the pawn i'm picking up chips i'm not really thinking about what you're doing until like the later half of the game because the timer of the game is there only so many chips can be scored in a game. And so whenever you score some chips, they go get placed on this like, kind of like the spiral track. Oh, okay, okay. And so after so many chips have been scored, it'll cross the two-player threshold, and then all of a sudden the game is done. Oh, And then wow. you'll just see whoever has the most points wins type, type of thing. So you, you can't just keep scoring, scoring, nice. scoring. There's going to be a trigger, a, a, yeah. And so like I can time it so that I can actually end the game on my turn and then Jen doesn't get another turn. And that, like, that, that's, that's actually pretty crucial because she's and been crushing me. And how has that worked out for you? She's been crushing me lately. <laughs> I won the teaching games. And then now once she's dialed it in, she's like, oh no, I got this now. Yeah. Now she's just like stretching out. Okay, I'm going to lap you. Yeah. Cool. So much so, much so that uh, I'll go on air saying this, that... I think we now we played Azul. Azul yeah. has been. You told me this a, earlier. A, a, yeah, a, a, has been a great game. We've got a lot out of it. This is that next step above Azul for us. So Azul might be going on the trade pile. Dun dun dun. Might be. It's still a great game. Azul is fantastic. I think that if you've played Azul a ton and are starting to get a little stale of it, yeah, th- definitely check this one out and see if this one would potentially bump that one. It is going to do it for us. Cool. 
This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on H Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. And we are back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. And this is The The Reviews. (laughs) Oh, and this time, Ryan, what are we reviewing? We are going to review... Merv, Merv, Merv. Merv's the word. <laughs> I said, throw that one in <laughs> Throw that uh, one in there. Yeah, no, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Merv, Heart of the Silk Road. Uh, designed by Fabio Lapino. Lapino? <laughs> Fa- I'm, I'm nailing the names today. <laughs> You're like Fabio seven for seven. Lapiano. I'm going to go with that. Um, published by Osprey Games here in 2020. And the art, the notorious. Oh yeah, Ian O'Toole. Dun, because dun, dun. I don't think we talk about him enough, no. or he—I don't think he gets enough recognition in oh, the industry. Yeah. He needs. It. We got. We, we got to plug it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So Merv, heart of the Silk Road. The game details now. The overview and the nuts and bolts. Um, so provided by the publisher, I'm going to read you the overview. So Merv. The Heart of the Silk Road is a tense economic game charting the rise and fall of the greatest city in the world. In Merv, players are vying to amass power and wealth in the prosperous heart of the Silk Road through careful court intrigue, timely donations to the Grand Mosque, and favorable trade deals. Players attempt to redirect as much of that prosperity as possible into their own pockets. Meanwhile, beyond the city walls, Mongol hordes approach. If you help construct a city walls, you give up on precious opportunities to build up your own stature, but leave it unprotected and, it, and you will burn with the city. Every decision is weighty and the consequence, consequences of each misstep are dire. Will you rise to prominence or fade into oblivion? Oh, that was good. That's That's good. Good. That, 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 is, that is very good. All right. <laughs> should, should, we, should, we, should we let the viewers know that this is just a euro? It's just a euro, but it's a, such a good euro. Spoiler. Oh, my. Um, oh my yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah. So uh, how about you go through the mechanics and the uh, and uh, we'll kind of both tag on the uh, how you win this game. Because the mechanics, I mean, we're going to talk about this again in the uniqueness part. Yeah. So uh, in Merv Heart of the Silk Road, uh, I, I guess to, to do this part, I have to talk about the setup. Yeah. Of the game, because it, in the center of the board here, which is a very vibrant, low, seems like busy looking board in the center is going to be 25 tiles. that are going to be randomly placed out in, into the middle here. A la, I, I was kind of say like five tribes. You got all the yeah. tiles, the same tiles are going to be in every game, but you shuffle them up and they're going to appear in a different matrix every single yeah. every single time. And then what you're going to be doing on your turn is actually you're going to be taking your little meeple, or whoever's the farthest, whoever is in the front, <laughs> yep. yeah, whoever's in the front is going to choose one of the row, depending on what round you're in, a row or a column to put your meeple in, 
And then what you're going to do is you're going to go down that row or across that column. You're going to select a tile and you're going to activate it. And now there are many different actions that you can activate and they yeah. all correspond to different areas of the player board around the, the city of Merv here. So we can collect goods at the caravansary. You can trade for goods in the, uh, the, the, the market. Yeah. You can build wall segments to protect the city of Merv. You can advance up the mosque track. You can, oh my goodness gracious, you uh, can, oh, you, you can influence the palace to you provide you some, uh, some, some scoring abilities. And I feel like, oh, you can collect scrolls. Yeah. And scrolls uh, for some and reason. Fulfill, uh, con- did you talk about the contracts? No, because that's a free action. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you don't that you don't have to take an action to uh, complete contracts, but you can do contracts in this game too if yeah. you have the right goods and the amount of scrolls. So and yes, what you what you'll do is you'll activate that tile and you'll um, either you'll you'll place a building onto that tile and then you'll take essentially what's one of three actions actually. Yeah, one of the actions that I just described depend, depends on what the tile is, um, or you can put a meeple down to protect that tile. Little which is which, which is important because protecting tiles in, uh, bumps you up on this influence track, and that influence track determines how many contracts or what kind of contracts and what kind of goods you can collect. And then the third thing that you can do is you can just bump yourself up in the um, the prestige down at the very bottom of the of the track, and you need that prestige in order to do some scoring at the end of a round. Yeah. Now you're going to do this. Let's count it up on two hands plus two fingers. You get 12 turns. You get get to do that only 12 times throughout the game. So in our experiences, the early rounds is actually really quite fast because there's not much going on. But in later rounds, if I say select a row or a column, and I've already got buildings there, I'm going to get more goods. Because I didn't actually explain that either. Because when you activate a building, you actually also get a good, which is represent these different colored um, cubes. And everything is connected to every other f- of those domains that we identified, right? So that's Oh, yeah, the we're cool going to get that to the game yeah. systems. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, like, later rounds, um, when I activate my building, if I have any other buildings, I'm going to activate those ones just for getting the goods purposes. Because what you're going to want to do is collect lots of these goods. Because what we're going to talk about in later on, too, is that when I do decide to take a, an action, like the actual tiles action, I can activate that as many times as I want. Yeah. So, like, I want to go up the mosque track. I can both go up the mosque track for as many cubes as I want to spend. That, that, uh, that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I believe the, the cubes represent our influence uh, or like, like, like our, our potential influence yeah. in, in these different um, areas of the city. And so you're just you're, you're collecting those. And uh, well, where does I live? Where do I leave off here? Oh, then then at the end of a round, you'll do it four times. So one year is yeah. four seasons, and then so a scoring phase is going to take place. And during that scoring phase, you're going to get one point per building. You're going to if you've got any influence in the palace. Now there's four different areas. Like you can score for however many scrolls you have, or however many goods you have, or how far up the mosque track you are. Yeah. Or there is a another one that I am currently uh oh the the cards, how many cards you have collected for goods. Yep. Type of thing. So and you would just and you have to spend your influence in the palace in order to score those. So like if I have five cards and I have influence in the 
in the palace. I can bump that down and I can score five points per card. One one yeah. point per card. Yeah. And then there's a whole bunch of other things they can score points for. Like <laughs> <laughs> there's I mean it's it's one of those it's like we said in in the beginning, it's a euro. And in and oh all these good deep Euros uh, in those in those domains that you identified, you know the mosque and the and the palace. There's an interconnectedness um, uh, uh, between a lot of these uh, of these domains. Like the like the market is connected definitely to uh, um, the is it the I keep wanting to say the camel cancery, but um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the caravansery, the caravansery. Yeah, so, and and. Uh, like even with the resources that you said with the walls, like the prestige that you need to build the wall, like everything is, I wouldn't say cascading, but, but connected to uh, uh, a gate opening, right? Yeah. You need to, you need to threshold this certain level to be able to open up more access to certain resources and to get more access to certain resources, you need to get this prestige a little higher. So that's all these little like I said, it's a Euros or this all these tracks that have this synergistic connection um, that uh, that you get to discover deep into this. And the cool thing that I don't think you mentioned um, with the with the claiming the resources is that you can claim another person's houses as resources. Right. Yeah. So like, which is I, unique. If I decide if if a couple rows got blocked, like if I get blocked in like my column or rows that I have the most buildings on. But the next one over, Norm has got three buildings in that particular column or row. Um, I could go over there and I can say, well, I'm not going to put down a house of my own. I'm just going to activate Norm's buildings and I'm going to get all the resources that Norm... Now, he's going to get a benefit. He's going to get a benefit for that, but at least I'm still going to get some stuff. I can still take the action of the tile that I'm activating. I'm still going to get the goods, which is good because you don't want to be blocked out like this game doesn't really block you out of doing something. There's always something you can do. It's just not going to maybe be always the optimal thing that you wanted to do. I think that's what I like the most is that you never feel like you're missing your turn. And I hate when you feel like you miss your turn. Yeah. Cool. And of get like every good Euro. How do you win this game? Most points wins. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. And that's where that palace thing comes in, right? Because that's that multiplier, like every good Euro. Yeah, and game multipliers. Yeah, and so you can do that if you have the influence. Now, I think I hope I'm using the terms right because they have they have the two terms, influence and prestige. Mm-hmm. And I'm really hoping that I'm using them correctly, or somebody's just going to come and rip me apart. But I think it's the <laughs> top track is influence, and then the very bottom track with the where the palace is. I believe that's called prestige. Favor, favor, I'm just, yeah, favor. Just oh my yeah. god! Oh my gosh! Okay. Favor and influence. So you get, you get you garnish favor from the palace, and you influence go. the people to help you build the walls and open up contracts. And yeah, or or as we would always go, top track, bottom track. Yeah, <laughs> the top, blue top cube, of the board, bottom of the board. Cube. Oh, you mean the spices? No, the blue cube. <laughs> The yellow one? No, the mango. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but gaining that favor, if you can gain that favor every round, even the first round, yeah, you can cash it in to score those points as long as you have presence in the palace in one of those four yeah. areas. And this is one of those games where you cannot do everything. Oh, gosh, no. You got 12 turns. Yeah. You have to pick a line and you have to go. 
Yeah. yeah. So your first your first few games of this <laughs> are going to be super rough because you have no idea. Yeah. So so I would lean on a possibly having a good teacher, like probably one of us that has played it multiple times now. We can guide people into some of that. And we're gonna get into those, like those those strat like what are some of the strategies that you can go for yeah. in this game and, and be and be competitive. Well, and I think what was really cool is we identified a lot of a lot of like the duality, this and this make a good team and this and this make a good kind of system. But I guarantee you that somebody else who plays it differently has discovered something different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and don't let don't let the the board presence fool you. Like this is not an like people are calling this like is a heavy, crunchy euro. Now, I'm 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 going to go on this like heaviness is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, of course. Um, this is a very like gameplay wise. This is simple, but there's some complexity in some of the little nuances. You know, to, the, when to you, this game, when you compared it to five tribes, I think you nailed it in regards to the different layers of and the the different zones, right? The different ways you can play that. I think it's a um, a, a great comparison. Absolutely. Yeah, I was just using five tribes as the setup, but yeah, yeah. I, I guess we can. Now this one's got a little bit more complexity. Yeah. Than that, and it's just because hey, when I activate this action. Okay, there's there's a little small subset of rules for that action. Now they're not super complicated, but there are some maybe some steps. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely the most advanced one is the um, is the marketplace. Whereas like, hey, if I activate yeah. the marketplace, that's the only one that um, you can't do as many times as you want. As in, like you have to put down a presence in one of the eight cities. And and camels, but as, if you don't have, yeah, yeah. But as long as you have presence in a city, you can buy as many goods as you want. Yeah. Or that you have resources to buy for goods. And those goods are connected to contracts. Yeah. And then yeah, oh gosh, yeah, that's that's the one strategy <laughs> we could we could explore when we when we finally when we finally get there. Right on. We're kind of all over the map on this one, but That's okay. No, that's, that's, that's okay. Right. Opinions. Let's let's keep us on track here. All opinions. Right. So when we talk about opinions, we uh, always like to start from the outside of the box and work our way in. So yeah, the outside of this box. Let's just start off by saying Ian O'Toole, brilliant art. Um, every colored choice in this brings me to uh, um, that feeling of mm. of of you know the time, the region, um, the the palette is to me the palette is perfect. The artistic style is perfect, um, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I, when you see this on a shelf, as long as it's not side it's beautiful. facing, the, the, the side facing is very quite bland. Yeah. But if you see the front of this, you will stop and take a look. That the, It is absolutely eye-popping yeah. to look at the box cover. Yeah. And, 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 that, and that continues on to the game board, right? Mm-hmm. The, the graphic design is great. Uh, the fonts um, are easy to read. Uh, I don't think I, I don't and, think and there's, there's anything there's that, there, and there's really no text. This is yeah. a very language independent, yeah, um, um, type type of game. So um, th- I thought there was a great connectedness to how the board was laid out and the graphic design choices. Um, yeah, no, it was what and like you said, it looks busy, but once you sit down and you look at it and go, oh, okay, look at it like a map. 
right? Yeah. Here's the different zones. Got it. Got it. Um, it yeah, it's it's pleasing, absolutely pleasing to yeah. the eye. Um, components. Why don't you talk a little? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, now that for the components wise, there aren't a ton of components to yeah. this game. There, there, there's a few cards for the contracts, yeah. which are the same every, every single game. Um, there's a small deck of cards for the caravansary that has all the different goods on it that are yeah. going to get laid out. Nice wooden um, cameeples. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> camel meeples. Camel meeples. Camel meeples. Um, and or, ni- or, is nice- it, or is it drama deeple? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then what else is there? The thick cardboard for the, the actual punch tokens. Yeah. And the actual tiles that get populated on the board. Um, and then the wall segments. Nice, thick chunky wall segments that you can build to put along the edge and like they, that creates a nice 3d table presence um in itself once you start building the wall segments because they're yeah. really really nice to look at comes off the table uh, like bold absolutely mm-hmm. yeah and so components here you're 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 getting what you pay for in in, in this one like the top quality everything's very nice to, easy to read everything's nicely distinguishable yeah um, but this is coming from two people who are not, oh, I actually have no idea if you're colorblind or not. Yeah, well, but, that's true. I wouldn't know how to assess that. Yeah, but I would say that the color palette that they did use, it, the, the colors that they typically, they, you don't see your typical. Yeah. Like your red, green, blues, blah, blah, blah. They're nice pastelies. I would assume that you can definitely tell. We would hope. What's we what? would hope the research was done. Um, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it, I mean... You can't. Well, Osprey Games doesn't cut corners, is what I'm no- noticing. Yes, because when you talk about like Osprey Games is a publishing company that you put on my radar. Yeah, and they don't put out a lot. They don't put out quantity, but they put out quality. Oh yeah, so it's yeah, what yeah. they do, and they nailed nailed it with this one. This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge, right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escapes escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. Cool. Uh, rule book, readability, layout, learning curve. Um, it considering oh that we had <laughs> considering <laughs> that we identified that that there's a lot of like look at it like a map, and this map has a lot of zones, and each zone has its own little rule structure. I think not that I didn't have it wasn't brilliantly smooth, but it was it was once you realize where everything is, and uh, it's I mean. There's a lot of text, but it is very well laid out in regards to its the, the rulebook format. If I'm looking for this, I go into this area. If I'm looking to the and so far, all of the you know the fringe case rules, they're all in the one zone. You're not having to go, oh, they talk about this in the setup, but they don't, you mm. know, talk about this. No, it's it's in if you're talking about actions, 
you, boom, you've got like your, you know, the gain favor, the deploy soldier. I mean, it has very delineated, defined zones of information. And uh, I think they do a good job trying to pack a lot of, inf- mm-hmm. like a lot of learning content, um, but, but, but not, not err on the side of, of, of deny information or, or you know, have, have a, a hanging idea that's unanswerable. I think they do a real good job on, on treating all of the edge cases kind of thing. Yeah, they, they have everything laid out. In, like you said, you, if you look at it, the, there's the action section. Yeah. The only thing that I had, the, there was a knock on this rule book is that they put the scoring phase in the middle of the rule book. <laughs> yeah. Like I would, I would assume like whenever I want to look at up, when I want to look up scoring, it's always at the end of the rule book. Like after you've taken all your actions, mm-hmm. but rather they, they elected to do, Hey, okay, this is, this is what the structure of a round is. You take actions and blah, blah, blah. Then you do scoring. But then they decided to describe scoring before they actually described all of the different types of actions. Yeah. For me, that's just that. Maybe that's the me thing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a me thing. They put yeah. the scoring in the middle and I was like, that's weird. It's like just the syllable stress was in the beginning rather than at the end. And you're right that there is a lot of text and everything. Um, my my hint would be if you're actually learning this from, from the rule book is... Um, there are some little things that are hidden in the text. And when I mean by hidden in the text, it means you could easily s- miss it by, no, just, if you're, by, yeah. by just doing a scan over. Yeah. Um, it came up in our gameplay with the, with the scrolls and the goods and oh, completing yeah, when you, contracts. Yeah, when, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when you complete a contract, I thought it was like every other game where you completed a contract. You spend the goods, you spend yeah. the scrolls, they Ooh. go away. In this game, however... The way that it works, and after I read it again, I'm like, oh, right, yeah, I must have just skimmed that part, that they actually go on your mm-hmm. contract card, but you are still, in the purposes of scoring, in possession of those goods. So you can still score the goods that have completed a contract for you, which I missed. Yeah, and that and that definitely changes the whole palace kind of multiplier it, system. Right, so I had proposed a palace in later games with a whole new wide because I was like, why would anybody want to score those things <laughs> when you're spending them? Like it just doesn't. Mean, oh, yeah, you, because you still actually own them. So and th- so there's a bunch of like little things like that amongst lots of the little. So don't just gloss over everything. Yeah, there are details inside of that text which could be it. it, it that that is kind of like a small knock nuance. Yeah, yeah. That those nuances aren't actually highlighted, and there aren't very many like examples of yeah. like taking this action or yeah. doing this turn. Um, that type of thing. Oh, well, well, I mean, I, 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 as I said, I just flipped the page. There's play. There's the example. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the blue, the blue boxes are the actual examples. Never but mind. I mean, Scratch that. I, I appreciated what what they put in and what they left out. Yeah, I mean, I think they did a good job. So mm-hmm. yeah, a uh, game system and game style. I mean, we t- you talked about it a lot in describing it. So let's just hit some big broad stuff. Um, the game system to me, I love that idea of the the you have three rounds and there's four turns that ge- you know geometrically go around the square um and uh the just the planning it's like okay turn one there's not much right like you said it's fast i drop a house you know or building and do my resources 
but you're planting seeds for the whole game and 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 trying to weave around your opponent and not you know so um i i, I really like the system of that matrix in the middle of those of those houses and in regards to the, the the columns and the rows and your choice you have five choices in there sometimes i mean i one one thing that i was trying to play around with is do you balance out your houses on all the rows or do you just be like i'm really hitting the second column because i've got four houses in that one right so there's still a lot for me to explore so what do yeah. you think about the game style system? yeah so for that too it lends itself to that initial board state and if you played this game enough times, like I'm going to stress that part. The first two, three games of this game, you're not going to understand everything mm. that's going on. Yeah. But once you've dialed it in, um, you will see, you can look at a board state and say, okay, that, 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 that particular row in that round, or like in, in like they say the second and fourth round, that row, yeah. that's good. That's going to be really good. I should start getting some influence in there. Or like get some houses in there because those are going to be some potential big actions to take this one, take this one particular strategy. Yeah, um, we we we've, we've mentioned that a few times in our kind of our conversations. That initial board state could be just like <laughs> we're going to compare it again. Five tribes, completely different game, but that yep. initial board state dictates kind of like how you're going to start and how the game is going to develop over the course. Yeah, you might take a look at it and go, okay, where are all these different buildings connected to all those different zones that you had mentioned where are they dispersed on yeah. this grid yeah. yeah and you do want like you said you do want a plan <laughs> like you like once you start seeding it like those houses are there and they get you and, points and they're, and they're going to get you points now we haven't really talked a lot about the invasions that happened at the end of the second and at the end of the third rounds yeah but at the end of the second round that could be talk about pot- it. Yeah. yeah it's potentially devastating that if these houses are not protected either by yeah. walls or the, the soldiers the, the soldiers um that building is gone yeah. and then you don't have it anymore and if you were planning that saying i was wanting to get some resort i wanted to get that particular resource in a later round well now it's not yeah. it's not there and and thematically connected to that, and because I read a lot of the uh, the the flavor, historical flavor stuff, that uh, it was repeatedly attacked because it was one of the it was one of those nexus points of trade, and I think they said it's been built over like seven or eight times, kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a thematic connection in a Euro game. What? What? So so I like I like the game st- the, uh, the game system. It, it was yeah, I mean. That'll come up in the unique mechanisms for me, for sure. Yeah. And so for us, too, we I started to identify that that kind of leads us into the, where we identified the, the different ways, like almost like strategies. Yeah. Which you could go for. Initially, there is the strategy of the of the mosque track. Now, the mosque track is a really actually powerful thing for throughout the game because every step that you get, you kind of get like a little bonus. You yeah, kind of get yeah. a little something. And then there's some end of game scoring opportunities that present itself. Um, the farther up you go up on that track, there's a couple of spots where you can say, Oh, you get some points based on if you have houses on these, mm-hmm. these types of tiles type yeah. of thing, or just get some scrolls or get yeah. some more favors. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And, there is a palace scoring that allows you to score one point per level you've advanced on that mosque track. Yeah. Initially, 
it seems like it's really easy to kind of go up that moss track. Actually, I'm going to say it. It is very easy to go yeah. up the moss track. It's a good, do. it's an easy strategy to approach if it's your yeah. first time. Yeah, absolutely. And it's easy to get a couple guys into that area too to, to score. Now, if you get to the top of that track and you decide to get two guys, now it, it's 10, it's 10 levels high and you've got two guys in the palace. That's 20 points at the end of the game. And that's a significant chunk yeah. Uh, and so in some of our games, that's at least a quarter to a third. But if you're putting all your eggs in that basket, and if somebody's got another little power, you know, synergistic thing going on. Yeah, that's what yeah. That, that's what we say. You have to, you can't let somebody dominate one particular scoring area. If you see yeah. somebody's got two guys in a particular. You do not want them to get a third. <laughs> yeah, no. One. You don't want them to run away. That's for no, no. sure. <laughs> because if they get a third one in the mosque, and now that's 30 points at a scoring, yeah. that is a significant yeah. chunk of the end of game score. If And if you're letting that happen, you better have made a good decision why you've let that happen. Because maybe you have an insane multiplier that you're trying to work on. So. Yeah, so the moss track I would say is definitely one to try to pursue as like as a beginner of this game. Um, another one is going to be the collecting the sets of the caravansary cards. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good one that, too. That, 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 that's a very nice one. Now, in order to collect multiple sets, though, you do have to go up on the influence track. Now, in order that to go, threshold unlocks how many? Yeah, yeah. Just, the oh. far the farther you gone, like initially you can only collect one type of caravansary card. Yeah. If the influence gets it, now I can collect two different types, and then three different types, then four different types type of thing. And how you gain the influence is that you have to protect buildings. So you have to build wall segments. You have to put out soldiers. Yeah. And not just protecting your buildings, you actually get more influence if you're protecting other people's buildings. It's in your best interest to kind of help your neighbor at times. Yeah. 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 So So by protecting it, meaning that building is going to get the state on the board longer yeah. and that's going to get them a point at the end of every round cool. as long as, as long as that thing is there. So that's a, that's another good one that I was, and then also the, um, you get points based on the sets yeah. too. Like if you get four of each set collecting, uh, yeah, yeah, you get the set collecting thing. Cool. Let's move, uh, let's move into unique mechanisms. And, uh, I think we, we were both in agreement that this five by five matrix that, like you said, five tribes wise, for me, that is a very unique uh, um, approach to the resource building necessary to run the engines of all these areas. So to me, I mean, we've talked about it a lot, and, and I just want to make sure that I put that stamp on unique mechanism. is Because the yeah. only other game I've ever seen something like that was Ulm, and it was a mm. three by three grid. And it was it had like a kind of like a pushing yeah. mechanism yeah. to it. So yeah. yeah, that's for me that's that's my that's the uniqueness that I want to point out for those people. My my uniqueness to this one was that when I actually do get the trigger and action, I get to trigger that action as many times as I want or as many um, resource cubes available that I have available, I can trigger it as many so I can go up that moss track or I can buy as many yeah. cards or I can put down as many wall segments as I can afford. Yeah. Buy as many scrolls. Because there's some turns where you'll have a windfall of resources. Mm-hmm. And then just like, all right, time to spend. Yep. Put put down lots of guys in the palace. Yeah. Now, here's the big question. Does it all connect? I'll let you start. Why? 
You always pitch it to me because I'm always Mr. Euro and I really don't care about theme. Does it all my connect? Yes, math connects properly. Move on. <laughs> um, yep, checks out. Yeah. As far as the thematic connection, I mean, it's a Euro. If, if you're going to try to like connect the dots, I mean, you'll be drawing some pretty distant dots. But that being said, I think I think it all comes together really nice to be a, 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 a you know a fantastic play. Um, it's not it's not a theme based game it's you know like we said it's a euro game there's tracks and there's thresholds and there's rewards and there's contracts um does a lot of other games have that yeah but this one i think that idea of the mongols um destroying it rebuilding it destroying it rebuilding it i think that is that is the connection making back to this uh, um concept the historical concept of merv so yeah, yeah. Yeah, for yeah, for me it is one of this is like a like a pinnacle Osprey type game. Yeah. Where it is very simple to play lots of depth inside <laughs> in, in inside of it. Um little bit of complexity sprinkled on top of, of it. Like there are some edge cases. Yeah. But overall it is a very good great it's a very good game. It doesn't take very long to play once you've dialed it in, like once mm-hmm. you understand. The first round is going to go by like a. It's going to be like go by with the snap of your fingers, and you're like, "Wow, this game's going to be over before I even know it." <laughs> but then the third round comes around, and you're like, "Okay, God, okay, wait, 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 I got a max min now." Yeah. And so analysis paralysis sets in in that third round. Oh, dial, yeah, it, <laughs> it 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 gets hard. Um, so let's get to some conclusions. Do you want I like me to this, go first? I like I like this game. <laughs> Um, I agree. Uh, this is. I was so happy to uh, uh, do my research, to listen to other reviews and other, you know, previews, uh, and uh, um, Ian O'Toole. And I, for me, that's another one of those check. Okay, there's certain artists that that that's they'll be they'll be the reason why I buy a game. And Ian O'Toole is definitely one of those artists that that pushes me into the hmm. What is this? So uh, for me, oh, this is a top shelf. This is a top shelf game for me. Nice. And yeah. You? So for me, I have to like I'm challenging myself here. Probably in the next while or so, I got to go back and revisit my top games of 2020 <laughs> list because I discovered yeah. this one this year, and it's a 2020 release. And I'm going to say right now that this would be in my top 10 Ooh. of 2020. It is a nice. very very good game. It's everything that I love in a Euro game. Um, other people call it dry. Other people call it too complex. It's very heavy. I This is right in my wheelhouse, though. Yeah, yeah. And like I say, heaviness is in the eye of the beholder. I don't think this is a heavy, heavy game. We're not talking like Terra Mystica. We're not it's, talking Arkwright. I'm thinking music terms. It's not Ramstein, right? It's <laughs> it's Ramstein. Ramstein. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're not. We're, this, this is not Slayer. <laughs> There's no double kick drums going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. We we are we are 1990s Metallica. <laughs> Hairspray metal. Yeah, that's about <laughs> as heavy as it gets. No. <laughs> so, um, love this game. It's a top shelf one for me. It's not getting out of my... I had it actually in my trade pile at one point in time. Because I was like, why did and I then, buy this? Th- why did I buy this thing? And I'm never going to get it played. You. And then you're like, get it played. It's really good. And I played it. And we're like, 
okay, crap, this is actually really good. <laughs> and then we played, like, Jen and I played it, oh, we played, we played it like five or six times in a weekend yep. once. Like, we just couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. So, and then we played it on a bunch on Tabletop Simulator. Oh, yeah. Great, great mod on there. And so, it's got a great, for those people who solo, it has a fantastic solo mode on it. Yeah, we didn't even touch on that part. No, we but. didn't. But yes, fantastic solo mode. I mean, that's how I've been playing for the last, you know, year and a half, so... Yeah, I think we, we we both rave about this one. So nice. Yeah, the the, the only detractors that some people in Canada is that it carries a quite a significant price tag. <laughs> if you're if you're gonna go buy it brand new, <laughs> like like uh, Amazing Stories has it for like eighty seven dollars, and it's like oh, that's a significant chunk. I don't know, but it's so good. It's very yeah. good. I'm glad I did. And for those Americans, that's like five seventy five American. So you know. <laughs> oh so if you've made it this far um you've heard that we both i think i think we're gonna say love this game yeah it's it's really good i i'm glad that i yeah this is top 10 but and understand it is a euro so don't don't be upset if if it's like oh this is just cubes and yeah warn you it's a euro but it's really good yeah, the cubes have different colors. <laughs> and there's there's drama deeples. <laughs> oh, so if you've tolerated that for this long, we always say thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Norm. And I've been Merv. <laughs> and we'll catch you later. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek Guild number 3039.